Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I'm just going to let you know that this has been a really kind of a week of battles. Um, I, I kind of got dressed a little bit here for you because um, the message I'm going to preach is probably not a, and it may be, I don't know, an aisle running, uh, but... I feel like for some time now the Lord has dealt with me and on this and I got to thinking today that I want to be humble in this message. So I put on my tennis shoes and I took off my tie so I could be a little bit more humble to y'all. Man, I appreciate the Lord, appreciate all of you tonight. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to turn to Daniel, chapter number four tonight, in your hearing. Daniel, chapter number four. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Daniel, chapter number four, and starting at verse number 28. I'm sorry. Brother Zach, I got a lot of scripture up there, and that's not me, usually me, and you know that. All right. That's all right. Got my grandson up there. He's at the helm. Amen. Starting at verse number 28, this story is uh, about King Nebuchadnezzar. So, in fact, I don't know how it's labeled in your Bible there, but Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation. It's got a title there, right there above the verse. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. King spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the midst of my power? And for the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. They shall drive thee from men. And thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And then verse number 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word. Asking you, Lord, to move in this place as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and call on you tonight. We're asking you, Lord, that you would take over. Lord, it's not my words, but God, you minister through me to this congregation. Oh, God, stir us up, Lord, I pray. Uh, stir us up, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Minister through me, God, I ask it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can be seated. I'm going to preach this subject, didn't really know what to call it, just kind of just changed really two or three times and then just felt like to make it simple. When the church loses its bragging rights, 
when the church loses its bragging rights. We must understand that Nebuchadnezzar's downfall and uprising happened over a period of several years. It wasn't a quick fall and rising, but it was a gradual process. Our scripture text tells us of the pride of Nebuchadnezzar that brought the fall and the humility that brought the elevation back to his throne. Just to throw some scripture in here and, and for a basis, Psalm 75 and 7 says, But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Proverbs 16, 18 and 19 said, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Isaiah 13 and 11 says, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause, hallelujah, hallelujah, and I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. I want you to get that. All of you be subject one to another. In other words, I'm no higher than you. You're no higher than me. We're on the same level. We're on the same playing field. We're in this together, church. Hallelujah. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, I have laid a little base and spiritual groundwork for the message, so let me tell you where it came from. At the onset, let me say that I have not come to tear us down in any way, but I've come for the purpose of our uprising. A while back, pastor preached the danger of minimizing potential threats. He told about the early days of this church under the leadership of his father. And something in that sermon got a hold of me. And I've not been the same since. First church, he began to talk about the first church. And so some of you were there. How many was it the first church? The first church, we were early at church. I've been around this church now some 32 years. And uh, we, have, we have come from about eight people to where we are. Man, we'll go, we'll go to the first, second, and the third church. I just kind of lead you up to that, and then I'll start preaching. We were early to church in the first church. And prayer could be heard, no problem. When you walked up, you could hear it. Worship and backing the word, pastor, was no problem. We were consistent. Somebody shout consistent. Man, we need consistency. We need to be consistent. You know, when we go to work, when, we work, when I worked, I was consistent at work. I didn't go to work. If I didn't go to work, I was sick. In fact, I might have been sick when I went to work. But I had to be consistent because I had a family that needed fed. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I know that at church we need to be consistent because I don't know about you, but I need fed. Oh. You know, you can only fast so long and you need something to eat. In fact, when you get through, and I, we know we've been on those seven-day fasts, church. We've been there. We've done that. Wore the T-shirt. But I'm going to tell you, when you get on a seven-day fast, at the end of that fast, you're ready to eat. 
And if you're not careful the first time, you'll eat too much. And it'll make you sick. Hallelujah. Well, I've never come to church and got sick on what I got. He'll never give you too much, but he'll give you enough to get you through the week, I guarantee you. Hallelujah. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost coming now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So we need consistency. And we had that in the first church. And we grew from seven to something like 60 probably in the first church. We filled it up. If you got 60 people in that place, it was packed like sardines. And else you opened the side doors. And I remember having a fellowship rally when God answered the prayer, answered the... Yeah, when God uh, let me know that it was time for me to be pastor. And I remember that night, we had our home church, some of them there. There was uh, ministers there from people and, and people that had come to that church a long years ago that was there. And there was 92 people in there. That side room was packed out. If there was any worshiping, you was doing this. There wasn't no place to run. There wasn't hardly any place to walk. Amen. So we was consistent. People was there. Brother Freddie, I remember you and Sister Sheila, you sat on this side over here, back toward the back. I think it might have been the very back seat. Amen. And I remember those days, and I should have brought them, but I didn't. Uh, but I, I, I thought about, you know, how services went. And, and you sat back there, and then there was this little girl, and I started to say blonde hair, but really she didn't have no hair. And she was back there, and she'd get them maracas out, doing this out in the middle aisle you know what because it was happening come on it was a happening church and I'm proud about that but I'm not so proud that I can't be humbled oh, oh. I'm glad for what God has done but I'm also glad from where he brought us from we didn't start out big and we're still not big alright Hallelujah. But I believe we've learned some things along the way. The second church we entered, and pastor said it even during that message, I think. He said when you entered the, the, the Beltar area, said prayer could be heard. And I was sitting at my desk and thinking about that because this has been over a period of time ever since he preached that. And I, don't, I didn't look back to see when that was, but it's been a while. I know I sat down one night and listened to the tape or the CD, whatever, I listened to it again, or maybe online, I'm not sure, but I listened to it. Amen. And, and I, I seen that he, he, uh, he said, when you entered the bell tower, you heard prayer. And I thought, yeah, and sometimes even before you ever come through the door, you heard prayer. I'm trying to establish something here. Amen. So, so pastor made a statement that night that shook my world. And he said this. He said something like this. We talked of our prayer and worship with pride. Almost to the place of arrogance. That shook my world. Hey, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that church. I began, it tore me up, Brother Freddie. I went home and I thought about it. And I slept on it and a few nights and it just kept bothering me and bothering me. And I got the word out and I began to read. And, and of course, the Lord started bringing some scripture to mind. Amen. But I thought, how is it that we can get in that shape over the period of years? We started out good. What happened? Come on, we had a good first church, we had a good second church, and we had a good start here. What happened? Glory. A few nights later, I was awakened in the early morning hours. Of course, that's the time for me. It's the early morning hours, always is. And I was thinking about all of this, Pastor, what you had brought in that message. And it was true. It was true. I, I mean, I guess I was questioning, Lord, if, if this was... Uh, true? Did you, will we really do this, Lord? Is this where we're at? In fact, Lord, is, is this a problem right now? Is this where we're at right now? And he spoke one word into my spirit, and he said pride. I thought, oh, Lord, help me. I'm a part of the church. I'm not saying. You understand that while I'm preaching tonight, I'm going to use the us and we, not you. I'm pointing no fingers. 
I'm saying us as a church, we fell from where we have been. And sometimes the only way we can get out of our stupor is to look back to the past and let it propel us forward. Because I'm not satisfied with where I'm at, but I want to move on. Come on. What moved us to this church was excitement and prayer and worship. Come on. And fasting and prayer. I don't want to give up on that. I want it to propel me. Hallelujah. 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 I want to tell you, I felt humbled real quick. Hallelujah. I was a leader. I was a leader. Even, even when we got here, God, what happened? What we. Mm, this scripture came into my study Isaiah 16 and 12. And it's speaking about the pride of Moab. And it came to pass when it's seen that Moab is wary on the high place that he shall come to his sanctuary to pray. But he shall not prevail. Hey, before we can return to the sanctuary to pray, there's some things we need to take care of. Sometimes there's some of the past issues that we need to take care of. Come on. There's some things we got to bury and get rid of. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We've had, we've had things happen in our church. It ain't always been rosy. We've had our problems. But one thing that I think I can say, I think we've buried a lot of them problems. And they've not come up anymore. Come on, church. But I wonder sometimes if it don't keep us, if we're not careful because of that, it keeps us from being what we need to be. It's somehow in all of this, we can't seem to return and get back to the place where God really wants to use this church like he wants to. And it's not the preaching, come on. It's, yeah, come on. It's not that we don't hear the word of God. It's not the teaching of our Sunday school teachers. Come on. It's nobody's fault. It's our, come on, everybody said our. Our fault as a church. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. 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 We must take care of some things. We must take care of the pride. We must take care of the boasting. Come on. We must take care of the arrogance. I can't be arrogant. Come on, I got to be humble. I got I to I gotta be humble. Humble myself under the mighty hand of God. If God is going to use me, I must be humble. Come on, he can't, he can't deal with that arrogant spirit. He's got to have a humble person. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Moab was proud. Even, even Isaiah 16 and 6 says it. We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud, even of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath, but his lie shall not be so. Hallelujah. Before I move on to the third church, the present, let me go back to our text just a while to set a stage for where I'm heading. I would like to show you how this downfall starts. There is a process. It, it don't just happen. It, it, it's, it's a start. The king had a dream. Yeah, and In chapter 2 of Daniel, you got, I've read all of this, and I don't know how many times I've read it, and I've read it, and I've read it. Because one of these, these scriptures began to come to me, and I began to think of Nebuchadnezzar's pride and, and how long it took to get rid of that pride. It wasn't, it wasn't just overnight, honey. It was a while. The king had a dream, and he couldn't remember the dream, so he calls all of his wise men and all the sorcerers and all them in, and he said, I want you to tell me what my dream was. And then I want you to give me the interpretation thereof. Now, that's a pretty tall order. He said, he, see, the, the thing is, he couldn't even remember his own dream. He just knew that it scared him to death. And he, he, he was after them. He said, I want you to tell me the dream, and then I want you to give me the interpretation of the dream. 
And the wise men said, hey, there's, there's, there's no man on the, on the planet earth. And I'm, I'm shorting it. No man on the planet earth can do the thing that you're asking. You're asking so much of us. No other king, no other person would ask this of us. He said, well, if you all can't give me what my dream was and tell me my interpretation, I'll just kill all of you. I'll get rid of you wise men. I don't need you. You're not very wise. And Daniel heard about it. And he said, don't be so quick. Said, give me some time to pray. And Daniel sought the Lord. And we know the story that the Lord showed Daniel what the dream was all about. Come on. Hallelujah. He, he knew. He showed him that it was a great image that he had seen with a head of gold. Breast and arms of silver and belly and thighs of brass. Legs of iron and feet of iron and clay mixed. That's what he saw. And right away, I want you to notice something. He humbles himself for a moment. In chapter 2 of Daniel, chapter number 40, verse number 47, 2 and 47. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God, come on, is God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Seeing thou couldest reveal this secret. He's given God glory. Somebody said he's given God glory. Come on, church, if I could get this through us somehow and, and, and teach us a little of something here that maybe I have made mistakes in and we've probably all done it, but he didn't give God glory. In, in everything, I can got to realize that it's not me, but it's God through me. Anybody that ever prayed for that was healed, let me tell you, it wasn't me, but it was God through me that done it. I cannot take no credit for that. Anybody who was moved by the ministering of the word, it was not by me. It was by the word of God. It was by God through me. Hallelujah. So the king gives God glory. What a wonderful thing. He's, here he is speaking at the end of the chapter and he's revealing how that God is a great God. He's the revealer of secrets. And he's, he's, he, is, he is a God that reveals this. And no other God can do that, he says. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, here we go again. So quick. I thought, how, you know, I'm, I know we, there's times we give God glory. But I've often said that we spend too much time talking about it and not giving God glory. You know, this is what happened, but we don't give him glory. We don't spend, I don't think, near spend near enough time giving God glory when he does something in our church. Come on. <laughs> I want to give him glory. Hallelujah. He give him glory, but in Daniel 3, verse number 1, Nebuchadnezzar's back at it. The king made a image of gold whose height was three cubits and the breadth six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. In other words, it was 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. Think about this. The king, after giving God glory for just a little while, he'd already forgot the secret had been revealed and then the dream and then all of that. He'd forgot everything that God had already used Daniel for. Come on. He, yeah, come on. Daniel saved their necks. But here the king is, after he's give God glory here, tell him what a great God he is, and now he's building an image already. I think sometimes we don't give God enough glory. And if we're not careful, we're taking on another image. We're, we're, come on, something is coming between us and God, I'm saying. Come on, things become more important than church. Things begin to happen and it becomes more important than going to the house of God. You tell me something that's more important than the house of God. 
I don't know about you, but I hope when he comes back for the church that we're in church. But for, for, for those that miss that night and don't have a real excuse, I feel sorry. Come on, church. I'm talking about a God tonight that we cannot slight in any way. Come on. We need to realize every hour he is a God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of glory. And he's in charge. He sets up and he tears down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So the pride is still there. Even after he give God glory, the pride is still there. Somebody shout, that's right, Bishop. See, so in Daniel 3, 29, it says, therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amidst against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in peace and their house shall be made a dunghill because there is no God that can deliver after this sort. Okay, the story was that he built the image and he said, all of you, I want you, I'm going to set my image up and you all come and we're going to have music and all of that and I want you to bow down and worship this great image. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't worship they didn't bow down. Somebody told the king on them, said, hey, you got some boys here that are Jews, some of the people that you've chosen in the kingdom, and they said they're not going to do that. So he says, okay. He said, now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to give you one more chance, and at the sound of the music, if you'll fall down and worship, it'll be all right. But if not, let it be known to you that I'm going to, come on, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And it's going to be heated seven times hotter than it's ever want to be heated. Said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer you in this. Come on. But we will not serve your God. Come on. Come on, this guy's already had occasions here where God has already done great works. He's giving glory. And now all at once, pride's still there. He's still doing the same old thing. He's still stuck in his little ritual. You know what? People say, I'm going to... Change. Come on. I've had people to come to me and say, listen, Brother McGee, I want to be changed. I'm tired of being what I am. I'm tired of living like I'm living. I want to change. Yet if you don't watch it, the next thing you know, they're not in church no more. Come on. They've not changed. They've not given God a chance. I'm going to tell you something. we got to be consistent. Come on, if you want to be changed like I want to be changed, we got to be consistent to the house of God. Come on, I don't want to miss because I'm liable to miss something that God had in store for me. Come on. I don't want to miss. He may want to heal this diabetes, and I want to be here. Come on. He, he may just want to put a brand new body in me so I can really preach. Come on. He may, he may want to take me back about 30 years and, and let me preach like that. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the only way we're going to get it is to be consistent. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. So King Nebuchadnezzar, once again, he says there ain't no other God that can deliver after this sort. Because when he threw them in there, he, he threw them, he was such a hurry, he threw them in there. He bound them and threw them in there, clothes and everything, buddy. Tied them up, threw them in there. And the king, all at once, he's astonished. He said, what, what, did not we cast three in there? Wasn't there three that we cast in there bound? He said, I see four men in there, and they're loose, and they're walking around. They're not bound. And he said, the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Come on, isn't it something that people can recognize when God does something glorious? Time after time, but here after, here after chapter 2, after he give God glory, the third chapter, he's already forgot about it, who God is and what God has done. So he builds an image and wants everybody to worship it instead of the one true God. 
Come on, the secret revealer. He, he, let's forget about him. I'm building an image. Look, it's the great Babylon that I have built. Pride. The king gives God glory again. Seems like, well, okay. This is going pretty good. King's giving God glory. A lot of glory here. But here in chapter 4, and we get to our scripture text now. Chapter 4 and 30, and the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? I have, I have, I have built. For the house of the kingdom by the mighty of my power. Everybody said my power. And for the honor of my majesty. The pride is still there. Somebody shout, that's right, Bishop. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put you in the pastor's place for a little bit. I remember back those days, Kingsburg was growing, even in the first church. God was doing things. There was people coming from, uh, you know, all walks of life, really. People were coming from Trinitarian Church. In fact, I baptized several of those. I can't tell you how many, but several. In fact, they even sent somebody down to check us out. I had no idea. They was, to, to me, they was visitors. And I said, whoa, thank God for visitors. But when I sat down at the table that night before I come to church, to eat my supper, I'd been working all day. The Lord changed my message. And I preached about those that come in to spy out your freedom. I had no idea that there was some people back there on the back row that was from another church that was squirming because it done hit the nail on the head. I didn't understand. Don't, 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 get, don't get pastor, don't give bishop any flowers for that. Hey, it was God that spoke to me at the supper table and I wrote down the little phrase and I preached from it. I didn't have notes. It was inspired by God and God alone, not me. Amen. I remember that night we ended up at uh, Dairy Queen. Amen. Guess what? They were in there. My son was a young man then. Oh, he, was, he was like Trevor's age, somewhere around there. Around Trevor's age. And this, this guy never spoke to me. But he did to my son. He said, y'all got an evil spirit down there. My son's 12 years old. But he looked at him. He said, no, sir. You're the evil spirit. <laughs> you know what? That guy got his food and he's gone. He didn't stay around. I didn't, know, I didn't know this. Two weeks later, Brother Homer Madden come to me and he said, Brother McGee, they had been sent down here to take names. They're going to shut this church down. I said, well, yeah, well, good. Just let them go ahead and battle against God all they want to, you know. I'm not in control. He's in control. I don't think he ever did come back. He's afraid that 12-year-old minister that told him exactly how it was. Come on. I'm talking about it's all right to thank God for what. Hey, he just delivered us that night, and I didn't know it. Come on. I was preaching innocently, but little did I know that there was an evil sitting in our church. He said, Brother McGee, he was going to shut us down. He was going to take down names. But he said, he said, he said, he knew what we was there for. No, I didn't, but God did. Come on. It wasn't Pastor McGee that knew. It was God that knew, and he labeled him as such. Give God glory. I don't take credit for that. It was a God thing. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Now I want you to notice Daniel 4, 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to base. Glory. Hallelujah. What's happened here? Hallelujah. Once again, Nebuchadnezzar is giving glory unto God. Hallelujah. For what he has done. Come on. He had seen a tree that reached unto heaven. And it was all destroyed, but the stump was left. And it was really a warning to Nebuchadnezzar the king. And the way Daniel brought it out to him and told him, said, Hey, hey, he, God is, he, you're the king. You're the king that's, that's reaching to heaven. But he more or less told him, but if you don't get rid of some sins, he's going to cut you down. But he's going to leave your stump and he's going to send you out in the field with the beast and you're going to eat like the beast and your fingernails and all this is going to grow. And you're going to be out there seven years before I bring you back. All right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's humble again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's humble again. He gives God glory. And the pride is gone now because he's humbled himself. And he's extolling God above everything, above the kings and all. Now, I want to go to the third church. The, the present and third church. This is Kingsburg Pentecostal Church doing business as First Apostolic Church. That's what this is. Excitement was in the church. I drove by this church many times and just kind of seen it sitting there and thought, Sister McGee, how much it looked like our home church over in South Gibson. Just kind of up on a little bit of a hill sitting there. And I don't know, there was something about it that always caught my eye. The thought was, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a church like that? And it came up for sale. We were Sister Roberta's and Brother Jerry's. Picked up the paper. I didn't. My wife did. Oh, yeah. Y'all blame this on her if you want to. She, she takes the blame very good. She seen this church in there for sale. And she said, dear, look at this. She knows how many times. We've, we've been by it. We drove by it. And so she said, it's for sale. So I said, Really? He said, yeah. And there's something hit me, Brother Frey, that I just, had, just like that, I felt like I need to call right then. I didn't need to wait, and I called. And you know, this, the rest of it's history. We come and we looked at it, and Brother Freddie, our men come and looked at it, and excitement built, and people got behind, you know, the church, got behind what they felt like was right. We overlooked a lot of things that we normally wouldn't have overlooked. But we felt we was in God's will. Amen. So, let me tell you. The thought was, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a church like that? And when it came up for sale, people pledged money, worked hard, and God made the way, and we moved in. I said, God made the way. There was no way a little church like ours could go and borrow the amount of money that we was to borrow for this church. Because let me say, I think it started like 199000 or something like that. 
and and we was able to we was able to deal and we got it down and I didn't know we didn't know we could afford it or not. We didn't think we could. But you know what? When God is in something, it will work out. That's why we need to be consistent. Because he was the one that gave us the second church for $7,500. And more than we even wanted. Everybody worked and we moved in in one day. On a Saturday, on Brother Terry's birthday. And we had our first meeting on Sister McGee and I's anniversary, October the 8th, 1995. Come on, church. I'm talking about when you're consistent with God. He'll be consistent with you. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm getting there. I know, I know. You said, where, where, where's the sermon you promised? All right. Hallelujah. People pledged money. Made it happen. We moved in. And I don't know, but I, I hope it didn't. But I think we had all had this little bit of a feeling. Now we've made it to town. Hey, we're uptown now. We're not on the other side of the tracks. Come on. Yeah, we might have... Hey, we used to be in a church of 18, whatever, 90 or 18, I don't remember. It's been a while, but it's late 1800s. It was built. We done a lot of work on it. Had a lot of good services in it. Glory. I remember when we got in the second church, we went back to the first church one night and had to... Had, had, had a, a meeting. Sometimes it's good if you can do that. Just to take you back. You, need, you know, we need to remember where we came from. Yeah. We don't need to get so exalted to think, okay, here we are. We've made it. See, that's where King got. He got to the place he thought he was all of that and more. Look what I've done. Man, I've, look at this great babbling that I've and the Lord struck him right there, buddy. And he, he was turned to the field for seven years until he realized that God was God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Through the years, prayer, fasting, and the Word had become our treasures. Now, I don't know, but I... I remember right, and I think Pastor even maybe brought a little of that something up like that. That over the years, our, our, in fact, the years of fasting and prayer, because everybody had a day. You remember those days? How many years we went that way? I don't know, but a lot of years. Everybody had a day of fasting, and whether it was one meal or whatever, but we had fasting every day. There was fasting and prayer going on. Let me tell you, it wasn't just because of us. And I know I was probably a hard pastor, you know. I, you know, I, I mean, I drove y'all hard. Hey, it was my first pastorship. I wanted it to be right. Anybody was in position, there was a list. Y'all remember those? I, I tried to find one, but I couldn't. It's, it's, I, I guess I pitched them all. I got rid of the past. Paul still got him. He was out on the road. Him and Sister Dawn was. But they'd send, they would fill him out and send him back home. You know, you had to read, you know, your Bible every day. You had, so, had to pray for so long every day. And, you know, I know that seemed like a drudgery and probably at times you'd think, man, I ain't got time for this. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be just as honest with you as I can be. When we stopped it, it affected me. I'm humble, you, I'm humble before you tonight that I want to tell you when we stop that, not that I don't pray, I still pray, but there's something about the earnest of praying every day for an hour or better. And I don't remember how much I put on there for leaders and people. To, I don't remember. I don't know where it was I, half hour, I had a chapter a day or whatever. I don't know. But there was some things you had to abide by if you was going to be in position and, and I know it was, it was probably hard. But you know what? I found out over the years that the pastors I talked that is stiff like that. It seems like their church is in better shape than some of us that just kind of let it go. 
Because people like having a boss. I, I, you know, because if you don't, things get carried away. And if we're not careful, we separate from God because the prayer that we used to have, we don't have no more. And it not only affected our prayer, but it affects our worship. It affects the whole church because, come on, We've been used to doing it, and it was making the church grow. I didn't realize it. You didn't realize it. We all four fell in that same boat, and we said, this isn't right. We don't need to do this. We should not have to do this. People ought to pray anyway, and that's right. They should have to pray. But you know what? If you don't bear down on people to pray, they won't pray. If you don't bear down on people to worship, they won't worship. And pretty soon, you've got a church that's dwindling and understand, want to understand why? We made it uptown now. There is, I'm sorry, but there's some pride that got a hold that maybe none of us even realized that it grabbed a hold of us, but it had, and we succumbed to that. And now here we are, we're trying to work our way back. Sir. Pastor's working on. He's working on working our way back. He's, he's going to have groups. He's going to connect us again. We got disconnected. You know why? Because every time we had a chance, we got together and fellowshiped, all of us. Come on. We had softball games. We did. We had volleyball games. Come on. We got together just to get together. We had birthday parties. We had parties for everybody. Or we had parties for nobody and just padded partied. We just got together. Hey, we'll take a Sunday. Hey, we're going to lead at church Sunday. We're going to have an all-day meeting just with ourselves. We're going, to, we're going to have fun. We're going to play volleyball. We're going to do this. And then we're going to have church tonight. You know why? Because we didn't care to go to church. In fact, you was afraid to miss church because you was afraid somebody might get the Holy Ghost and you wouldn't be there to experience and that wasn't because of Brother McGee, but it was because of all of us that are members of the body. And the body come together and worked as members should. And God done the work through the church. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm being long-winded. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. So it came up for sale. We bought it and the rest is history. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to know something. God moved us forward. There's three times in, in those however many years. I know 18, 19, 89. I'm not sure it wasn't a little bit of 88 there because I remember in those, uh, I remember in, the, in that time of, there was a book that come out, Why the Lord Would Come in 88. And I know I'd got that book, so I, it might have been 88 that I started and helping and uh, every other week, the church. Anyway, whenever we get moved forward, we move from the first church to the second church, and I believe every time that God moved us forward, He expects more of us. When we moved to town, I believe there's more expected of us now than there ever was in the other two churches. There's 2,900 people in this town. And this has been back several years ago now, so it's hard telling. It might have grown. I don't know. More. 2,900 people that never darkens a church door on Sunday or any other time. 2,900 that don't even go to church. We need to reach them. Some way, somehow. Glory. Hallelujah. So God expects more of us. Through the years, prayer and fasting in the Word had become our treasures. Singing and music in the Word of God brought worship and harmony and growth to the body of Christ, and everyone had a fast day. We set a new Sunday school record in this church. I believe it was something like 163, 165, something like that, right? 163, I thought it was. We had a a new Sunday school record of 163, and I think it's the second church, it was 138 that we had. So we broke that record. So tell me, I'm, I'm telling you, what I'm trying to say is 
God was adding every time we come to church. Even this church, God was adding. But I think we got to the place maybe we wasn't giving him enough glory. Our prayer and our worship began to dwindle. And the very things that become our treasures, the devil decided I'm going to attack. And pastor had it right. The devil took on as his target what we were proud of. I think he even spoke it out in that message that the enemy decided he'd take on and attack what become proud to us, what our treasures was. Everybody said our treasures. The Bible says where your treasures are, there is your heart. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And now we have no bragging rights. And we speak of what used to be. I'm, on, I'm talking about me now. I'm there. How many times have I spoken of the past? How many of you spoken about the past and what God has done? And it is God that's done. But we can't brag about that no more. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now all we have left is humility. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure, church, that we're ready to accept all of that humility yet. I found myself twice this week over here at this church crying and praying before the Lord and telling the Lord to forgive me. Because I'm a part of this church. I was the leader of this church. And I didn't see what needed to be done, and that bothers me. Hallelujah. I really think we had kind of come to the place where we thought we had finally made it and figured it all out. But we still need to learn some more. You've heard it said... And I've heard it said so many times and been to other churches when it was said. We don't act like that anymore. We've grown up. And I think sometimes we grow up too much and the Bible said we need to be like a child. The children, hey, they... Hey, my little buddy back there, he's a worshiper. Yeah. They worship. The children led in worship in the tabernacle. They, they took palm trees and they shouted Hosanna. They led in worship. Come on. Yet if we're not careful, we've come to this place. But we finally made it. Can't like, act like that anymore. We, I beg to differ with you. We have lost... It and need to get it back. We've lost it and need to get it back. Sometimes the past needs propel us. Hallelujah. True, this church was built on prayer and worship, but we are where we are because now of the lack of these things. We can't even go all get to church anymore at the same time. Look at this morning and look at tonight. We can't all get, it's a sad thing. You know, there's churches now that's going to one service on Sunday. You know why? Because they can't get people there two, two times on Sunday. If we're not careful, we'll be one of them churches. I don't know about you, but I want to be a church. I don't want to do away with Sunday, Sunday morning or Sunday night, and have a mid-afternoon you know, afternoon service. We've been that route, and just uh, on a fifth Sunday or whatever, and have an afternoon service, 2 o'clock, whatever, and then go have, you know, have a meal or whatever early, and then have service. We've been there. Hallelujah. But I really believe we become a lack of these things, and we can't even get to church like we need to anymore. We, we can't function 
as a body anymore because we can't get all the members together. There's some missing. And a body can't, can't, a body can't work together if, all, if some members are missing. Tie your hand behind you and see what you can do. Tie both behind you. What if there, you know, if there's so many hands missing and so many minds missing and so, so many feet missing, pretty soon we can't do anything because there's no, not enough members in the body to do anything. We've lost ground. So what are we going to do about it? I'll leave it in your hands and our hands together. When the church loses its bragging rights, it's time for us to remember where we came from. That's right. I need to remember where I came from. I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. My daddy was not a pastor. In fact, when I was a little boy, he was still out in sin. I guess it was me being in the hospital that brought my family in because my mama, when she thought I was going to die out here in Wabash Hospital, she said a prayer that, Lord, if you'll heal my son, I'll serve you forever. Daddy was a backslider. When mama came in, I don't remember how long it was, but when mama came in, Daddy used to stand outside because we did. It was just, we had those lights that hung down, Brother Mike, and they were, it was just a wire with a bulb on the end of it in the old church and had them old wood slat pews, remember them, that you could get pinched on. And, and, and we didn't have air conditioning. So they'd open the windows and the screen windows and Daddy'd stand outside when he's having a revival. And one time when Brother Ted Kendall was there, Daddy was outside, and there was somebody else say people would come and watch from the outside back in those days in that little town of Kingsburg. And they'd come, and we'd have, we'd have several outside watching, and the church would be full inside. And, and, and I remember Dad tells us, used to tell us a story all the time. He was standing out there, and he said, Man, it, we was, it was a, really having a time that night, Brother Mike. There was people dancing all over the place and shouting. And uh, so I don't know, somebody starts speaking in tongues and and, and said to the guy standing out there and looked at Dad, and he said, man, something come out that window. I felt it. Come on. We cannot afford to let up. Hey, whether you recognize it or not, in the second church, when God began to move in that thing, a boy that I had graduated with, and he lived right across the road there at the back, Chuck Richardson and Sandy Richardson used to listen to us all the time. He told me, he said, we sat out on the, on the porch and we listened to y'all's meeting all the time. We was touching people on the outside that we didn't even know we was touching. Come on. You know why? Because we was not ashamed of God and we didn't have much. But I'm going to tell you one thing. We had the Spirit of God in there because God was in our presence. And He was doing things because we were doing things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can come. Brother Mason, you can come. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you. I don't want my bragging rights back. If I do any bragging, I want it to be bragging on Jesus. I want to tell what he has done. Pastor, the reason y'all have got a lot done in the prison ministry because God's got all the glory. It's spread every place and people are wanting that. Other prisons are wanting it because of the presence of God. Let me tell you, when we get where we should be, there will people who want to come to this church. They'll want to come. When we get consistent, when everybody decides they want to come to church and have a church here, come on, and we'll be consistent about it, we'll start seeing God do some great things in this church. It's been promised. I'm just waiting on it to happen.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can stand. Psalter's open. Somebody may want to pray. I don't know. You may want to rededicate and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I need you, oh God. Man. Sing, Brother Mason. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.